It's time to get restless, ladies and gentlemen, as we're back on The Restless Show. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Father Joseph, and Javier's laughing like crazy over there. <laughs> we got Paul, Javier, and, and Lauren with us today. And today we're going to talk about uh, diving into your own parish. Because Christians are not meant to do this thing alone. You know, there's no lone wolves in, in Catholicism. And sometimes we can feel like we're a lone wolf. Like, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not supported by anybody around me. And I go to my parish and it seems like quiet and dead and sleepy. And so let's talk about that. And especially because I think young adults have a unique ability to kind of inject some life into a parish and some great ideas, fresh ideas, fresh things that we're doing. So, um, yeah, the first I'd like to hear, you know, when you were growing up at your home parish, which I know uh, Lauren grew up here at St. John's. That was her home parish, right? Mine was St. Catharines in Riverside. Oh, St. Catharines in Riverside. And of course, you know, Paul and Javier had different parishes growing up. So what was your involvement in, in your own home parish growing up? I was an altar boy. I was an altar server. Were you really? Yes, nice. for five years. And you know, I remember I had wanted to do it probably since I was in kindergarten because I found church boring. I don't know. I was like an energetic <laughs> kid, right? And I was supposed to sit and be quiet. And I looked at the kids up on the altar and I definitely wanted to do that but I never said anything. And then when I was um, in fourth grade, I think my brother Brian said that he wanted to be an altar server. So it was all of a sudden, I was like, Brian's gonna be an altar server. And I was like, wait a minute, I wanna be an altar server. <laughs> my parents were like, well, sure, you can too. You know. So then I did that and we both did it um, for five years. I did it through eighth grade. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I did it nine years. So we couldn't do it until we were in fourth grade. Okay. Um, so that's when I started. But I went to school, so I went to uh, St. Bridget Church in Cheshire, Connecticut, and I went to St. Bridget School, which is about 30 feet from the church. And so, you know, I think it was pretty, I guess growing up, it was we were pretty close to the church physically and, and figuratively. And I remember the best thing about being an altar server was that we got to serve funeral masses during the day, during mm, the school get day, out of class. which was great cool. to get out of class. And then sometimes, we, because it's Cheshire is kind of an upper middle class town, we'd also get paid to do funerals, which was kind of weird, <laughs> but awesome. it was also was pretty good uh, to get paid. Not a money. bad deal. Yeah, I didn't get an allowance or anything growing up, so that was, you know, that $10 was, that was really special. <laughs> it goes far. Yeah. I, uh, I also went to a Catholic school myself, and I served in the altar a couple times uh, growing up, but I was very involved in the choir. I, I was in the choir ever since I was a little kid, and uh, I also would help a lot setting up, like, for big masses we had at school and stuff and processions and whatnot and i don't know if that had to do with being in the choir or not but i was always asked to help with stuff so nice now most choirs because i was in the choir as well growing up and i think it was like 75 girls and three boys <laughs> no I, I went to an old boys school oh there so. you go okay so 100 percent boys 100 percent boys there you yeah. go <laughs> yeah i definitely felt outnumbered <laughs> yeah most masses so uh did you guys get get involved in youth groups at all when you're in we high school middle that. school no? Yeah, didn't have it. No, they didn't have it either. Wow, they do now actually. Oh, that's good. Yeah, my church does. They have a like a part-time paid youth minister too, which is really cool. That is cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. That's one thing. I run our youth group here in, in Stamford, Connecticut, and I wish I had a paid youth minister. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> make, make my life a lot easier. But so when you were growing up and did these things, like, did you find a, a positive impact on your your faith journey? Like Lauren, did, did you find you were able to focus on mass more when you were an altar? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think I was 
you know, sitting much more still when I was up on the altar. I did enjoy doing that. And then the other way I got involved uh, at St. Catherine's was volunteering at their Carnival of Fun every summer. And when I was in high school, I would do all five nights and they're five hour shifts. Whoa. So it's kind of long. Yeah. I think, I think I was mostly motivated by a national honor society. Yeah. But it was a fun time, you know, and do they still do that carnival fun? They still do it. Do yeah. they really? Like, and I still volunteer like, when I can. Like rides and stuff? Yeah, like exactly. A fair? Exactly. Yep. Very cool. And Very I just cool. find those kinds of things make you feel more connected, right? That's how you get to know people. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know. I I always felt like there's some familiar faces at St. Catharines, but I wasn't really part of the community. Didn't know people that well. Mm. Uh, so doing those things helps a little bit, right? You meet a few more people. But then just coming to St. John's and all the young adult things that you run and everything that's going on here, I've, it's totally been a transformation to feel a part of the community. And I do think that makes a big difference. So now as an adult, I mean, all, of, all three of you are obviously are very active in our young adult ministry. But tell us a little bit more about your, your involvement in your parish right now. Like, Paul, I know you, you help with a young adult ministry called c for c yeah, Crossroads for Christ. Um, it's a Connecticut-based, although it's spanning outside of Connecticut ministry. Um, that's for young adults and trying trying to create Eucharistic-centered young adult communities throughout Connecticut and then eventually throughout the United States. Um, so we started the Stanford chapter about three years ago. We're talking in fall of 2020 right now, so about three years ago. And that's been it's been great. It's been growing. And so every Wednesday or Thursday night, get 15 to 20 young adults together just to talk about the faith. And, and then we go to adoration each of those nights. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Have, sure. you, have you, you've had at least one uh, marriage out of that. Yeah. And several across the state. Um, one in Stanford. One in Stanford. Yeah. Hoping for a few more. Yeah. You know, <laughs> good place to find your vocation. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> now, no, you're still involved in the choir, Javier. Yeah. So, but that, so I've, I'm kind of going into different parishes right now. I go to the Basilica on Sundays and then on Wednesday nights I go to, um, St. Joseph slash Sacred Heart because they just merged with Sacred Heart up in Georgetown. And so that's where I chant uh, on, on Wednesday nights at Misa Cantata. Um, and then with St. John's um, through Catholic Adventures, uh, Diane and I started the Bible study series. Uh, so we did the Bible timeline, which we went through the entire Bible in, I don't know how many months, six months or so, seven months. And then we did the Gospel of Matthew, uh, which we were about three chapters away when we started recording the podcasts oh and no so, so we haven't, we haven't <laughs> we, finished it yeah we, yeah we haven't finished oh, we had to go to zoom anyway for covid so yeah exactly and so whenever you presented this opportunity i was like well you know there's there was only like five or six of us doing it at that point in time anyways even though that's fine because it's kind of like a small group but i don't know we just i i, I gotta finish it i i felt unaccomplished <laughs> with that I, <laughs> I gotta finish that one and uh yeah just doing this podcast series with y'all uh, and then the videos that we're doing that will air at some point. At some point, yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Restless video series coming soon. Yeah. Stay tuned. But uh, yeah, so so how is these, I mean, these things have really been very impactful, I know, in your own faith journey, for all of you, really, getting involved in your parish. I mean, yeah, I would say that for myself, I'm more of a participant, not so much a leader, like these two and <laughs> Diane are, but I think that's just as important, right? Yeah. And even growing up, I can remember, you know, every so often there'll be some kind of a breakfast, right? After mass, like pancakes for this or donuts, oh, right? 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 <laughs> and I think my family, at least, and probably most families, it's like, oh, let's just get home. 
you know but i'm always someone that would be like yeah i want to go to that right like that'd be great and all these different initiatives need people to show up right so yeah. i think even just that like I don't know. And I'll sometimes see, I think people, especially young adults, might be afraid to do something on their own, like to go without a friend. Yeah. But it's okay. You know, like, so I was traveling once in Nashville and I went to mass there before I came home because it, you know, fit my schedule. And what do you know? They had like a potluck dinner after the mass. And so I went because I had time, like before my flight. I know. Right. That's awesome. I mean, they opened it up to everybody. Of course, I didn't know anyone. But I kind of stood in line, you know, I got some food and then there was a really friendly couple, you know, that I sat down with and chatted and it was a really nice experience, you know? That's awesome. I don't know. I think sometimes you got to put yourself out there, maybe go and you don't know anyone, but if it is your parish or it's your friends running something like these guys, just show up, you know, like check it out. Yeah, I think think what I've learned is is that you do have to like, you know, there has to be one or maybe a few people that do like build it and they will come and they always come. Um, I remember when I moved to Brooklyn um, right after college, this was seven years, eight, eight years ago, yeah, eight years ago. And I didn't know anyone in Brooklyn. I knew people in Manhattan, but like Brooklyn, Manhattan people, they don't like go between the boroughs right. you kind of stay in your own borough oh really <laughs> kind of yeah manhattan people just don't go to brooklyn that's more of what it is well, but, <laughs> <laughs> and uh but, but there was a really great church there it was queen of all saints and it was kind of a more traditional church and there was this great young adult group there that i was about 40 minutes by subway from there but just one night i emailed the person who was the contact and i said and they were doing the bible timeline jeff right. cavin's bible timeline nice. and i said well I, I know how to do that so Sunday night, I went up there and knew new one, and you know some of those people are still some of my best friends. So that's just, awesome. You just have to go. Um, yeah. If you're not involved, it's you know you can just go. People are generally welcoming. You know, it's funny. When I was a teenager, for two weeks, I decided to stop going to mass. Instead, yeah. I wanted to check out other Protestant churches. I was just curious as to what they were, and so um, you know, so I, I went and I was blown away by how friendly and welcoming they were. You know, partly because their congregation was about 100 people. So they knew if a new co- newcomer would walk mm. in the door. Yeah. Like, oh, we've never seen your face before. But, but they would like go, like, purposely go up and introduce themselves to you. And I was like, whoa. Because like, my Catholic upbringing is you go into church and you don't look at anybody else. You know, you sit yeah. in your own pew by yourself with your little cocoon. I was very t- taken aback. And I think we should bring that some of that to the Catholic faith. Is like, as Lauren was saying, like, put yourself out there and go and like, talk to the person that you sit behind for 30 years. Yeah. And never learn their name, you know? Yeah. I had the same experience, and I think that's one of the things that I learned about going to a, to an evangelical church. Just the fact of, you know, we're that emphasis on we're not supposed to do life on our own, right? We're supposed to have community. We're supposed to have a Christian community around us to keep us away from things of this world, to keep us, you know, grounded, to keep, uh, you know, people that we can share our personal lives with, people that can pray for us, people that we can grow in our faiths with and stuff. And we have so many of those <laughs> in our parishes. Our parish is humongous. And there's so many people there and there's so many young adults and we're, we're not meant to do this on our own. Uh, and I yet, bet there's a lot of young adults that are not connected to anyone else there. Exactly. That come as solos. That's what I was you know, going to get at. You know, and they, they just kind of go to mass and then that's that's all they do, right? And so uh, what Lawrence said was totally right. You don't have to be a leader of any organization. It's just being involved in and uh, meeting people, meeting other people that are growing in their faiths, that are going through the same struggles that you're going through and stuff, and people that you're going to grow with. And like Paul said, that people that are going to become your best friends, you know? I mean, that, that's something we need. I mean, even Jesus himself needed his three. 
you know yeah if he needed his three peter james and john exactly if he needed his three we definitely need our three or five or ten you know yeah definitely that's so true javier right now lives in a a house with uh some of his (laughs) some of his brothers in fact they call themselves the brothers (laughs) the pershing brothers because we're on pershing street pershing brothers stop by or in 89 pershing don't send him hate mail yeah please <laughs> but I mean, how awesome is that to be able to live with brothers who are seeking christ together you know with you it's it's amazing i mean like the opportunities to pray together the opportunities to talk about our struggles together i mean any any time we're dealing with something we um we want to share with each other we know that we're in a safe space and we we know that it'll turn into a prayer one way or another. Yeah. Um, we know that the things that we see around at our house are encouraging, that are positive, they're, they're things of God. You know, I mean, like, there's no debauchery going on. There's no excessive <laughs> drinking going on and stuff. And it's like... Yeah. Um, you party till 7.30 in the morning, but you're all sober the whole time. That is true. I don't that's, know. that's what we did. I we asked had, Javier uh, this past weekend, like, what'd you do? He's like, well, I, I go into sleep at 7.30 a.m. <laughs> We, like, uh, dang, we had a poem reading thing going on for like an hour and a half at the house. So. A poem reading? Yep. That uh, is awesome. Some of the guys from St. Saint, uh, Joseph's, um, 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 St. Sacred Heart. I should call it Sacred Heart now because uh, that's where we go. Um, they, they just started reading poems. And <laughs> um, they're very good at reading. I mean, our, our choir director, David Hughes, uh, he, he read a poem that was about 10, 15 minutes long. And he... I mean, he read it as if he would have read something that was a minute long. He read it so well, so beautifully, wow. and um, that was at like six in the morning. That's it. <laughs> I know Paul has that same kind of community in his house. He's- yeah, I mean, I lived across the hall from a theology teacher, so um, <laughs> we have a different type of relationship than I think you all do. Um, we have very deep intellectual conversations right. about Catholic philosophy pretty much nightly, um, and you know we that's that's how we connect and we're also both musicians and so we we play uh music too in the in the garage literally in the garage so garage uh, band it is yeah and so that's that's a lot of fun um, that's really cool yeah yeah it's, it's been great so you find that community where you, where you can and and did you you i guess you all met each other through the parish right yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah that, that's where i so met that's... john and Voitik and I, I guess mm-hmm. that's where you met uh Paul or uh, yeah I mean whoever else is in there with Paul yeah there was a big we so in Stanford they had this thing for a couple of years called the summer splash which was a big young adult gathering down by the beach um and that's where a lot of us actually met that's uh, right those times pretty cool the, I think the last one was in 2015 we got to bring so. that back that sounds cool yeah yeah it sounds it like was, fun it was fun yeah nice you, I find though that especially like nowadays a lot of young adults don't like to join organizations like things like the Knights of Columbus are struggling to find young adult men to kind of fill their ranks, you know? Do you find that to be the case that young adults just don't like, they're not joiners? They certainly don't want commitment. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's what it is. I think, I, I do think they'll show up the first, second time, and then a lot of people just don't come back. Yeah. I don't know why. I think it's just, the, it's what Paul said. It's this lack of commitment. Like they're, I don't know if they feel like, you know they have something better to do they just but the thing about it is you're not going to see the benefit of these things unless you continually show up yeah you know that's where you're still that's where this friendships the truth. i mean one one young adult group meeting is not going to no. form a friendship immediately like it's no, got to keep coming john voitik and i about a year and change to volunteer at the same things and stuff and then go to faith on tap at night to finally just say like we should all hang out one night and then that was it 
we hung out and now we're best friends, you know, and it's like, you know, but it took a while. I, I first met them and we weren't immediately best friends, you know, I mean, and now they're my brothers and I know they're going to be my brothers for life, you know, so. Yeah. The other thing I would say is that anything you join probably requires some perseverance, you know, mm. and not everything's going to be the most exciting thing ever, right? <laughs> um, but if it's about your faith, it's probably to your benefit. Yeah. Um, and like right now I can say I started going to Indal, which is a women's study group on nice. Wednesday nights going over Humane Vitae. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, last week I was sitting there like, uh, I might be over this, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> this part of the conversation that we just kind of got on a tangent and like I had kind of decided in my own mind what I thought like the moral answer was, but people kept going back and forth and whatever it was. So we were kind of off topic. But yeah, so again, like this week, I'll have to decide, yes, that I want to go, right? Because no one's making me go. I'm not paying for this, right? Like, right. there's no one holding me there, really. It's up to me. Like, do I want to learn about this more? Do I want to grow in my faith? Like, these are all very faithful women, and I can tell that I'm benefiting from hearing their stories and their experiences and, and all of that, right? And but hopefully finding some deep friendships, you know? That's another part, yeah. yeah. Um, getting to know other people, so... Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, So definitely the commitment piece, I think, is so important. Yeah. When we come back from our break, we're going to talk more about how parishes, perhaps that don't have, you know, a a vibrant young adult community can be welcoming to young adults. And welcome back to Restless. We've been talking today about how to get involved in your parish, which for a lot of young adults can be kind of a strange situation. And particularly if you go to a parish that does not have a lot of young adults, because I know that I've certainly looked around at some parishes and I've been like, wow, I'm the youngest one here by 40 years. Or, you know, you you got little kids, you know, but you're not, like, there's no single young adults who are kind of in your situation. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that, certainly not at the current parish where we're at, but I remember one time when I was out in Nebraska doing some mission work, we walked into this parish, we'd go around to different parishes doing uh, vacation Bible school in the morning. I was in college and we do like you know faith formation in the morning and in the evening we do youth groups for the, the high schoolers and and I walked into the, we walked into this one parish and the four of us college students were the youngest ones there by forty years easily and the priest was so boring that he was falling asleep in his own homily oh. and the music sounded like a cat being run over by a semi trailer it was <laughs> it was really rough it's really rough and and on the way out I was very glad that you know a friend of mine turned to me and he was joking but he said you know I'm glad Jesus is alive because no one in that church was. But, but I mean, some people can find that as their parish experience, right? Right. You Mm -hmm. go in there, you're like, this is not a vibrant place. So what do you do in that situation if your parish is not uh, conducive to kind of what we're talking about? I think, you know, if you're interested in, I mean, there is, there's a couple different things. I mean, you can start something. Yeah. You could take the initiative. And if you're not that type of person, then, you know, I think it's, I think another good thing that you can do is, is that a lot of people are very um, intimidated to, you know, become friends or at least sociable with their priest or pastor. So that's a great first step because you may not even know that something is going on because it might not be in the bulletin or whatever. So, or, you know, that priest may know other young adults that are in the same situation and it's a great, you know, way of just getting connected. Just that one small step. That's true. Invite your priest over for dinner. Well, he he likes salmon and potatoes. <laughs> oh, wait. Right. No. <laughs> well, yeah, fa- Father did just look at me and like, so you should invite your... Uh, <laughs> well, Father... Joseph we did have an episode about how Paul cooks, but that was, <laughs> that, was, that was earlier on. I was even just thinking, I mean, step one could be to just try to get to know your priest, right? If everyone's elderly or not of your nature, 
the priests are supposed to be there for us, right? For the parish and to foster our growth in the faith. So hopefully they would be open to it. I don't know. Some priests I think are more shy or reserved or may not be comfortable, but even just starting a conversation, right, with the priest maybe could lead to something else like what Paul was saying. You get to start something at your parish because you probably need their approval. So if you build that relationship first, then you get to know someone. Then I, I mean, I feel like going to St. John's, knowing you, I, and before you knowing Father Andy and like knowing Father Al, it makes such a difference in my experience at Mass. Probably a lot more personal. Yeah, yeah. I just, right. and even I, like I mentioned earlier, I was an altar server for five years, but I didn't actually have a relationship with the priest and he never learned my name. You know, he mm. could see me today and he doesn't know me. That's too um, bad. Yeah, right. I, I don't, but I think it's just his personality and that's fair. That's who he is, but. I do remember, it, I was 16 when a priest finally learned my name and I thought it was the biggest honor in the world. <laughs> You were 16? Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I was an altar server, too, for many years, and the priest never bothered oh, wow. having any That's conversation at all. Yeah, no, we had a very good priest at my church that knew, he knew most of the parishioners. We had, I don't know, the church held like 1,200 people or something, and he still knew most of the parishioners. Wow. Yeah, and all the all, all the altar servers. That's, uh, that's for sure. That's amazing. That's yeah. Because I, I can say as a priest, Lauren, that, that when I first get to a parish, I'll announce, you know, please introduce yourself to me on the way out of Mass, so I'll get 3,000 names that first weekend. <laughs> And then after that, no one will introduce themselves. And I'm like, I only retained three of you. <laughs> I don't remember who you are. So yeah, that's that's huge. I would love for more, more of my parishioners to stop after mass and just be like, hey, do you, do you remember me? I'm John. I was, and this is, you know, I think that'd be really cool. And I appreciate that because a lot of times people will call me up and be like, you know, I want to get married. I want a baptism. And I'm like, who are you? Right. Who are you? You know, but it means so much more when you've established that rapport. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think going back to your question, uh, I, I there were two, the two parishes that I went to in Houston when I first moved to the States, um, they were both kind of like that. One of them was actually just exactly the way that you described yours. Uh, the priest was super monotone. I mean, like very monotone. His homilies were very short and like it was, you know, people were falling asleep. Like even the decoration in the church was kind of like, I don't know. It it just it almost invited you to fall asleep. Everything was kind of sad in there, and there wasn't they provide young, free pillows on the way in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. And there wasn't a young adult group, you know. And then the same thing with my other parish. Um, they they have a lot of stuff for like little kids, but there's nothing for. And I think that's something that the parish has need to need to have and it, it, it's not on the priest per se i mean the priest might not see the value of it but some someone that's young that's going there might see the value of it from another parish that they went to or something and like it's very important because we have so many young adults that are leaving our church today and i think some of them are leaving it because they're just not involved mm-hmm. they're not involved they're just going to mass on sundays they're not really getting anything out of it they don't really know what the mass is all about anyways they might not even believe in you know the the true presence in the Eucharist. And then on top of that, they're not involved at all. And so it's like, then they just, I guess I'll just go during Christmas and yeah, that's it. Bishop Caggiano said one time that belonging leads to believing. Right. So that was a good point. You know, when you feel like you're welcomed there, mm-hmm. then you'll kind For of, sure. your faith grows. Your faith will grow. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one of the, like the most touching moments that I still remember is that we had, um, when I was an altar boy, I think I was in high school. It must've been, it was Archbishop Mansell had come to our church 
Um, I think it was like some anniversary of our, our parish, but in any case, but he had this, he, you know, we, it was great because we all went to the rectory beforehand and it had, you know, he met all the, all, all everyone who's doing so, all the Eucharistic ministers and all the altar servers and whatever. And they, um, and he, he, he memorized each person's name and didn't write it down. And then after mass, he like thanked everybody by name. Wow. And That's got to be a charism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was like, and he, he thanked like every person in the choir too, like by name. Oh my and gosh. That, and I talked to other people afterwards and that's one of his like gifts is that he can remember like, you know, 50, 60 names at a time. That is wow. Yeah. So, and that's like, wow. it, you really feel like, okay, like you mean something, even though I learned later that this is something that he does normally, but you know, it, it's just, it's just really special. Or even being part of like, you know, doing every mass or Good Friday service during the Tritium, like being on the altar for each of those um, for an entire, for those four days is even Easter Sunday too. It's like, that's really special. And yeah. you really feel belonging. That's that's how they that's how you hooked me. Funny, I was remembering the story of John Paul II, who I think had that same gift of knowing yes. everybody's name. And I guess somebody was telling me that that um, he went to, you know, meet the Pope and he was so honored. He's like, you know, Holy Father, please pray for my wife. She's She's sick. And he's like, thank you, yes, yes. And he goes down the line, you know, and about like two years later, he comes back and meets the Pope and the Pope in, takes the initiative and says, how was your wife? Oh, wow. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that's an incredible memory. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I I heard a story too of Tim meeting, or somebody going up to him uh, and, you know, telling him that they, you know, basically introducing himself. And I can't remember who it was, but the guy must've been a young priest at the time and they had met back, before he was a priest uh, uh the, the pope and he told him he was like no we've we've met before we've met on we met on this year we talked and the guy was like no we never met you know <laughs> and then he was like you know come back next time when you've remembered you know wow and so the guy came back and said yeah no in, in fact we met that wow. year exactly when you said it and stuff and like and he was like, "That this is exactly what we talked about." And he remembered the conversation. And it, that's a pope. That's How a great. How many people you know, does he? Meet? Yeah, exactly. That's a grace you know? of the Holy Spirit. That for sure. But you know, one of the things I hear a lot as a priest is that people tell me, "Oh, the church needs to blank." You know, the church needs to have better music. The church needs to do more for young people. The church needs to evangelize. The church needs to have this program or that program. And I don't know if you've ever said that, but if you have. You know, my always reaction is, well, who's the church? It's not just the priests. It's the regular, ordinary folks in the pews. So what do you think the church needs to do or to, to improve, you know, to make kind of the experience of, of just the community, the worship to be better? And how can you kind of get into that? I think that, you know, what makes, you know, just speaking from our experience locally here in Stamford, Connecticut, is St. John the Evangelist Church is... I've heard this. I think Monsignor said it. I think you know back in the day, and I think Father Al did too. It's like people come to St. John's because we do Catholic well, and I think it's it's really powerful um, when there's a there's an unwavering you know tr- you know holding to the traditions and an unwavering reverence and all those things that really play into it. I think that really speaks to a lot of people, and especially young adults, because a lot a lot of young adults want you know we want the best craft beer. We want the best wine, you know, we want the best food that's farm to table, that's authentic. And I think that when you have a really authentic, you know, Catholic expression, I think that that really speaks to young adults. Um, And you see that in churches, whether it's St. Cantius in Chicago or other places around the country, when it's a really authentic Catholic expression, it, it really speaks to young adults that are looking for that. But that's tough then if you live in, you know, 
somewhere in Kansas and you have one parish within a 30 mile radius and it doesn't have that, what can you do about it? I mean, in that case, it's tough, but I mean, where we are, there are so many different parishes. So like, I was surprised. I I went to St. Catharines for five years after graduating from college without any kind of community, like you mentioned, and it's mostly families there. And then I went over to Stanford for Faith on Tap and instantly started making all these Catholic friends my age. And these two parishes are probably 10 minutes apart. Yeah. (laughs) And I was actually pretty angry that St. Catharines wasn't sharing what was going on in Stanford. Mm. Right? Or like St. Mary's in Central Greenwich. Are they sharing what they're doing? Because I later heard they have a young adult group. Are they sharing that with St. Catharines? You know, or St. Rock's, and the, right? Like, and I understand, like, every parish is kind of its own entity, and they all have a lot going on, but they're not so interconnected, you know? And I kind of wish that these kinds of initiatives could be amplified more, you know, so that they could reach people, because there are people missing out. But we're just fortunate, I guess, here. Yeah. Like, and if you, I, I imagine if you bounce around, like, within a city like Stanford, you'll probably find you know, a young community, right? Because it's a city. Well, I think that's, I think you make a great point is that all parishes can't be all things to all people. Right. right. And I think one of the one of the things that parishes do need, especially nowadays, is education. Education, and it doesn't, it doesn't fall on the priest. Like you said, we are the church, right? I mean, like somebody to step up and say, like, there needs to be a class that teaches the people what the mass is. There needs to be a class that teaches the people how to pray the mass. There needs to be a class that teaches the people, young adults, theology of the body, newly newlyweds, theology of the body, kids, theology of the body. I mean, like, there's so many topics, so many things that our faith has to offer that people don't even know about. I didn't even know what theology of the body was a couple of months ago. I didn't even know that the mass was a prayer a couple of months ago. I didn't, there's so, so many things that, and I think our young adults or even people that are older, like I, I've had conversations with people that are 50, 60 years old, and I tell them that the mass is not about this, not about that. The mass is a prayer, and they're like, "The mass is not a prayer." And I'm like, the "Mass <laughs> is the highest form of prayer," and it to me, it's just saddening because it's like I'm not here to lecture you. I'm just here to tell you like what I've just learned, but you should have learned this a long time ago, it's and true. it's not on you. It's somebody so many in the parish Somebody that knew about the ball. it yeah yeah exactly and, and i think you know we just circling back to what we discussed with before is if you live in that that parish that's you know 30 miles from the next parish and you're finding that there's something lacking i mean that's when we you go and you do something about it right. to some extent even if it's just talking to the priest getting to know them um even if it's help with the flowers or something you know during easter you know something yeah. to to just get involved and and make it meaningful for you know if there's no one else that you're you know that's like you that at least it's more meaningful for you and then maybe you'll find somebody else and you can find great friends that are older too you know that's true some of the most rewarding relationships i have are with elderly people so like father al yeah father al's 88 cannot and, believe and we're, we're, very, we're very close friends oh, and i befriended a couple older than me through rcia oh that's true bob yeah. and carol Right, we just met, and I was just in that class to support my friend, but I learned so much. Like Javier is saying, I did not know the faith at all. Then I was sitting in that class and listening to you, Father Joseph, and you're just dropping all this knowledge on me. And I'm like, <laughs> where has this been my whole life? And RCIA is open to everyone. It is, right? yeah, if anyone wants to dive deeper. So I'm sure people hear that announcement and they're like, oh yeah, I don't need that. No, you need that. Like <laughs> you should go in and sit in, right? Like 
especially here in Stanford, Father Joseph will just wow you because you're just phenomenal, I think, as a teacher. Thank you. Here's the $20 (laughs) for for that endorsement. (laughs) No, but like that's just a program that's offered in most parishes every year. It is true. Yeah, right. But it is true. How many are taking advantage of it? So and there's a lot of other adult Bible studies that are around adult uh, faith formation opportunities. A lot of people think it ends in eighth grade. You've done done your faith formation. No, you're not. So much more to learn. I'm still learning as a priest. And then the last thing is turn to media online like a podcast or a video series. Right. That's, That's true. a good way, way to, to be learn. connected. Absolutely. Be connected. <laughs> Lots like, of digitally. Like this one. <laughs> There's endless <laughs> amounts of free education on YouTube. Yeah, it's true. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Here's the challenge that I, I laid down before you today. The challenge is get involved in your parish. That could mean as simple as sitting down with your priest and talking with him, getting to know him. It could mean turning to the person in the pew next to you and introducing yourself. It could mean coming to a new event that you've never come to before. Maybe searching one out. Maybe it means going to another parish next door that has something for young adults or or for other older adults or whoever's uh, you really you're searching for. But it's out there. It's out there and we can benefit from it. Thanks so much for joining us on Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM. And you can also find us uh, on the web at podbean.com and wherever else you get your podcasts. And Javier's going to laugh, but I'm going to say it anyway. See you next time.